0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous a vision for you Sunday special edition. My name is Melanie and I'm a re- Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. Today is Sunday, March 23rd, 2014. And the share code or share ID rather for Friday, March 21st, 2014 is 60 Seven, four. Today's presentation here at the Sunday Special Edition is entitled, I Did It God's Way, Not My Way, and our speaker hails from Dallas, Texas. The way that I would think and that view that I had of life ended up to be actually the root of my trouble, the big book tells me, in essence, selfishness and self-centeredness. What had to give so that I might release the death grip that I had on the way that I was thinking and acting and living in life, the way that I was treating other people, and the way that I had excluded a power greater than myself from my life. The big book shares all kinds of ideas and journeys of individuals that went from the life that they had to depths and despairs and the grip that alcoholism had on their lives, a place that they could live happy, joyous and free again. And how did that happen? Through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We we are asked the question over and over again. How will this be and who will this be? And on page 76, there's a bit of a question there as well. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now have them all everyone. Today to present this particular wonderful titled subject matter, I did a God ways, not my way, is Cliff C. Welcome, Cliff C. Cliff, can you press star one on your phone keypad? That will unmute you to be able to be heard.
1: Thank you, Melanie. Appreciate that. Uh my name is Cliff and I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm grateful uh to be here. Um, my story you know in terms of doing it God's way and not my way because my way uh just got me into um a whole lot of trouble and frankly on the on the brink of death as far as I was concerned and the fact is that I, if I'm here it is it is only by the grace of God that uh that I am uh, just to give you a little bit of background, uh, I started this program, uh, my abstinence date is April nineteenth, two 2007. Um, I was uh, 53 years old, 6 foot 3, 385 pounds, give or take. Uh, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, borderline high, you know, high sugar, uh, an irregular heartbeat. Um, You know, and God did for me what I could not do for myself. Uh, Within a uh, relatively short period of time, God removed 190 pounds. I have been at 195 pounds, uh, give or take uh, a little bit there, um, for about five and a half years. Uh, And it has been absolutely amazing. Um let me just sort of let you know what what I was like beforehand um you know the the story goes I mean I was I was a big baby I was um I, I was I actually I wasn't a a I wasn't a uh, a large child until probably 7 or 8 years old and uh you know, from then on, I just remember wearing husky clothes and uh, uh, and being embarrassed by a number of those things. My family owned a catering service, and uh, they catered parties all over uh, all over town as well as all over the country in a, in a certain sense and uh, I learned to eat fast. I also learned that I could have whatever I wanted. Uh, they were um uh they did you know a, a lot of food replace emotions particularly for stress and for love and uh every time we needed we needed anything we uh we were indulged by uh, by different foods and everything like that um i remember my one of my first food thoughts uh was walking out of the uh kitchen there and seeing this tall uh, stacking trays of uh, floured products and grabbing one of those on the way out and just being uh, basically seduced by it. Uh, it. It tasted good and I could go back there any time that I wanted. Um, the thing things that were going on, let's see, uh, in reflection I saw that when I was probably anywhere from the age of five five to eight, there were a lot of traumas that happened in my life um, you know someone attempted to kidnap my sister i was uh um, you know there was an elementary school in our town you know that was uh that was actually bombed uh by a by a father and and several people died in that um there was sexualization, you know, by a female relative. Um, I remember, you know, as a child, I had other little things occurring, but it was just sort of a, uh, an accumulation of things that that uh, that that made me live in fear quite a bit. Uh, uh, another boy and I were just having a, a little a fight with uh using magnolia bulbs off of someone's tree and they took offense and I, you know we were only 5 years old but they called the police on us and uh and and so we had to uh so the police were at my door and which was really pretty traumatic for me because I felt like I was uh you know going to see Broderick Crawford in Highway Patrol now some of you are obviously much younger than that but uh you might catch it on reruns Um, I had, uh, when I was younger, I I started a fire on my grandmother's porch. Uh, One of my neighbors moved. You know, that's traumatic enough. A friend, her father passed away suddenly. Um, Then we moved and then my brother was born. So uh, uh, with all those traumas that occurred and the fact that food was so readily accessible to me, Uh, I used food as a drug for everything. Um, I, uh, you know, I I remember, you know, when the President's Physical Fitness Program came out, I mean, it was scary. You know, the things that uh, I was supposed to do or that they were asking us to do, it just was not... uh, um, you know, it wasn't feasible for me. My sister got uh, taunted in school for her weight uh, and you know, I was certainly teased and I remember all the things about, uh, all the nursery rhymes about fatty, fatty two by four and you know, being called names not only by by so-called classmates and friends but also by, uh, even by my father you know uh, whether it was Fat Boy or or Tubalard or something along along those lines, and uh, I tried to go on on diets. My mother took me to a uh, to a doctor. I think when I was about 12 years old, I was put on uh, Bifetamins, um, and I don't think that actually even worked for me. I don't know why, but it didn't. And and I remember the doctor basically saying that you know. The sky was the limit as far as my weight was concerned, but that didn't register with me. I didn't understand that. Uh, I watched as as family members would go on and off different diets, um, and and that was always a challenge. I mean, it was the AIDS candies, AYDS, as uh, you know, Metrical, which was some powdered drink you know, predating uh you know, slim fast and others. Um but you know, we tried everything, went to health clubs um and and nothing seemed to work. Um uh I got through uh, high school and uh, you know, was uh, and actually, I had a growth spurt between high school and college, but unfortunately, because I had that growth spurt, um, you would have thought it would have it would have worked out okay with my uh, with my height, but that didn't that didn't happen either. Because what happened was that uh, um, I, because of my size, they thought I was on the football team in the in the dorm, and so I got free access to more of my drugs and and I took advantage of it, and I just kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, you know, this is a cunning, baffling, powerful, progressive, and deadly disease. I didn't know it then, and it's very hard to see, it, for me to see my future, um, but it's not impossible, and I think that's also one of the things about OA is that it allowed me to, to basically see my future, and the um, uh, but I dated some in college, and uh, you know went out to eat and did all the all the nice things. Uh, I remember when I was uh, I guess I was probably about nineteen or twenty years old. I remember going out on a date and leaving, and uh, and stopping at the convenience store to get food, you know, because I was hungry. And I guess I I look back on my life and I realize that the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, um, you know, I I was always hungry, you know, but the hunger was not necessarily for food. The more I ate, the hungrier I became. Uh, the, The hunger was was an emotional hunger. It was a an anxious hunger. Uh, it was a hunger, really, for, for spirituality to understand, you know. I was angry at the world. I was angry, you know, that I didn't get things done or, you know, uh, whatever our situation was. Financially, it was a challenge and um, lonely. I could be alone in a crowd. It didn't matter. Uh, and tired, I just didn't have the energy uh, I used to think it was you know it, it was normal for us after a meal to take a nap because everybody everyone in my family um, over and um you know i mean since that was part of our business that's that's what we did um, the uh, uh, let's see i got through through college I went and got a um uh, a, an advanced degree, a doctorate, and uh, master's degree. I um, uh, interesting. What happened was, I a friend of mine. This uh, he decided he was going to help me to lose weight, and we started working out together. We worked out for three hours at a time, and I did lose weight. I lost down from about uh, two. 90 down to around 230, and I felt real good and looked real good and everything else. But even at that point, I realized that there was no way that I could continue, um, you know, that for the rest of my life. And sure enough, the uh, uh, the weight just, you know, came back on. It took a while. It took about four or five years for the for for that that amount to come back on, but, uh, that plus more came. And, um, you know, we, we went ahead, uh, I, I signed up for so many different things. How many times could I sign up for, uh, uh, different weight loss programs, weight watchers, um, you know, Nutrisystems, Optifast, um, Different different programs, and would have some success, but then less and less success, and and it just got harder and harder. And um, what it, eventually I went out to lunch with a friend who had done a 100 mile bicycle ride, and um, and I heard this voice saying, "You can do that." And I thought, hmm, where'd that voice come from? And I turned around trying to find it, and there was nobody else around. And I went to go and try to find out about it, and and I figured that they wouldn't allow me to do this because I weighed so much and I have an irregular heartbeat and everything like that, but that I would get credit for just attempting it, you know, because that was how I, how my, my mode of operation, I mean, I would go ahead and, you know, I, if I told people I was on a diet, they felt better about it, um, I, but they didn't, but they didn't, and so I kept, I, I started exercising, I started doing 100 mile bike rides, um, the hundred mile bike rides led to a little bit of an injury. I started swimming, and then I I started uh, uh, realized I could I could swim a mile and ride bike ride, you know a hundred miles, even weighing three hundred and seventy pounds. And I ended up uh, so okay, now I just needed to be able to uh, uh, to walk a distance, and I started doing triathlons, and I did triathlons in in Hawaii and in Florida. I did uh, 100-mile bike rides in Arizona and New England, and I did marathons, half marathons here in Texas, but I didn't lose weight, and I had sort of given up, and uh, I was a member of a group, you know, sort of what happened. I was a member of a group... uh, who does uh, speaking and we had a topic assigned for the day on National Alcohol Awareness Day and I thought that was a horrible subject and I but I was responsible for it so I went ahead and looked it up I was supposed to come up with some questions I looked up the questions and they um, uh, I came up with some questions and, and it brought me to AA, which may, reminded me of having gone to an OA meeting with my mother uh, 35 years before. And I said, "Well, I wonder what they're doing." And they—I uh, uh, looked up what it was. Was OA? I didn't think myself a compulsive overeater. I didn't even bother reading the the things that were online. I would looked for a meeting. And uh, I looked for a meeting when there wouldn't be a meeting because, remember, I get credit for just trying, not for necessarily succeeding. And I looked for one on a Sunday, how about a Sunday night? There won't be a meeting then. And lo and behold, there was. Um, I went ahead and told my wife, uh, I remember telling my wife that Sunday I was going to a meeting uh, that night, and she said, "What kind of meeting and um I told her that it was o a and I could hear her roll her eyes in her voice because how many times i mean we had been married twenty five years at the time um, and uh i just I just heard her, and she was uh she was not she's not a compulsive overeater. Which does also indicate that uh that first twenty five years of marriage, although they were good years um, it was not like oil and water, it was more like uh gasoline in a lit match i was uh, I was always searching for my fix, and I didn't even know that's what it was, so I went to that meeting and uh i would I wished I could say that I walked into the room and Everything made sense and I was struck abstinent, but it didn't happen. It was on April 1st, 2007, and I thought, what a perfect time, April Fool's Day. And uh, God has this amazing sense of humor. Um, I went to that meeting and God just laughed at me because uh, uh, I, I, I listened, but not very closely. I heard a woman say that she had lost 130 pounds and that she hadn't exercised. I heard some slogans that honesty will kill this disease and I thought, really? That's interesting. You're only as sick as your secrets. Hmm. Uh, You know, if you focus on the weight, you'll lose the recovery. If you focus on the recovery, you'll lose the weight. And of course, one day at a time. But even with all of that, I tried to run away from that meeting. I tried so hard, you know. And I went ahead and and uh, uh, you know tried to bolt from the from the room. And this woman stopped me, and she said, uh, you know, she was a traveling salesperson that. Uh, that she comes every couple of months, we'd see how much weight I had lost in a couple of months when she came back, and I thought, "Lady, you're crazy." I got out of the room. I got down. You know, I was. I I hadn't even made it out the driveway there, and somebody had called me on the phone. This was on the phone and in person in the meeting, and uh, and I couldn't shut them up, and I'm a people pleaser, so I couldn't. Uh, so I was on my way to the. Uh, to the grocery store and I didn't realize that uh, I didn't know I was in the process of binging or I was going to be binging that night and um, you know since I couldn't shut him up he kept on talking until I made it to to the grocery store and I was in the parking lot and I was looking inside I could see through the glass I could visualize my path what I was going to eat while I was there what I was going to uh, eat on the road home, what would not melt before my wife, went, you know, went to bed, you know, what would be available to me in the morning, and then God clicked in, and God said, you know, you can do what they said: no flour, no sugar, no sweeteners, no caffeine, three meals a day, nothing in between. I didn't hear about weighing and measuring, but. You know, it wouldn't have mattered I did that before. I had just never done them all at one time. I had done them all individually, but never all at one time. And uh, I tried it on my own for about uh, two and a half weeks. I had already signed up for a bariatric surgery uh, seminar. I went to that bariatric surgery seminar The uh, uh, that... You know, and when I went there, the doctor basically said uh, no flour, no sugar, no sweeteners, no caffeine. Well, he didn't say it in so many words or in those specific words, but one would open. You know, the the flour would gum up the opening, the sugar would cause something called the dumping syndrome, the uh, which he thought was a positive thing because it would condition you. It only works for a year. When you have sugar, it hits the colon and and it makes you um, have a bodily function that you would prefer not to have. And then the uh, sweeteners and caffeine, well, a big part of mine was uh, diet drinks. Uh, I used to have six, uh, six diet drinks, 12 ounces in, during the day and, uh, and almost two liters at night. And uh, it takes, uh, according to them, because of the opening, it takes uh, two hours for you to drink a 12-ounce uh, diet drink. And then on top of it, it was going to cost forty to $60,000. And I thought to myself, hmm, let's see, um, $2 a meeting or $60,000. And I didn't have the money. I was unemployed. Uh, and uh, But, you know, if I could have afforded it, I would have. I I would have done so many things before. They would have just been another tool that I had tried or another diet, you know, but in a way that to me became a blessing of mine to not have had the money. And, uh, you know, as the doctor is explaining it, he says insurance doesn't pay for any of these things. And I'm going, well, you know, everybody's calling out the name of their insurance companies and you know uh he's saying you know they don't they don't do it, which is why we have the lap band surgery, and we can uh, finance that you know just like you do a uh, car and I thought, huh now I, now i I recognized that I was buying surgery from a you know a used car salesman in a white coat and uh and I thought well and then when we were talking about the different insurance companies nobody's in they would they would throw out names and then I threw out my name and he says oh yes they're wonderful they will work with you and I thought is this a sign from god is this a sign from god that I should be doing this and uh, uh and then I realized that how excited he got at the name of my um uh, at the name of, of that uh, insurance company. To me, that was more of an indication that, uh, you know, do no harm is supposed to be what, what my physician is, is charged with. I mean, and, um, and I realized that even if my insurance would have paid it, my Cobra, that was not where God wanted me to be. And I went to meetings, I went back to my meeting. Uh, someone said, had asked me, did I have a sponsor? Uh, They gave me a phone number. They said, he's busy, but maybe he knows someone who can help you get started. I called him up, and he said, I'm busy, but I'll help you get started. And and that was April 19, 2007. And I cry to this day when I think about it. Because uh, I I was, you know, they they talk about OA being the last house on the block. And the fact of the matter is is that I was so far past the last house on the block, there were no street lights, there was no paving. The the, uh, dirt path, I had gone past that, past the sands, into the ocean. I was lying on the bottom of the ocean looking up in the moonlit, you know watching the moon shine through the the ocean, and God just reached down, plucked me out, carried me back to the room, put three angels in there, locked the door, and said, "There's the path, just follow it." And I still didn't want to, and I still didn't want to. and I know that God has you know done for me what I could not do for myself. I remember. I was I was uh, four months into abstinence when I remembered a dream that I had. And this dream was um, that I was lying in my grave, uh, looking up and watching my two daughters who were 20 and 24 at the time, looking down on me and crying uncontrollably watching their father be buried at an early age. And uh, and there was nothing I could do about it. And then four months into abstinence, I had, uh, you know, God had removed 60 pounds, and now all of a sudden there was hope for me, real hope. And my waking vision was no longer that my daughters would see their father be buried at an early age, but that I would get to see my daughters get married. And I have seen, I have walked both my daughters down the aisle. And an added bonus, I, uh, last year, a year and a half ago, I became a grandfather for the first time. The greatest joy that I have had was being able to get down on all fours, crawling fast along the floor with my grandson following behind and then just last week, my younger daughter announced that she's also having a child. And um, now, the challenge is is that one of them is in New York City, the other one is in Vancouver. And uh, and I'm here in Texas, which makes us tri-coastal. But, uh, but even that, the fact that they are a distance away, is a gift from God. It's a gift of program, because... If I had been dead or disabled, neither one of them would have left, or at least, you know, and would not know how high they could fly and how far they could soar. You know, they just wouldn't have known. And so, even if it pains me, my relationship with them is is so much better than it ever was. My relationship with my with my wife is great. I mean, it's wonderful. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it is wonderful. You know, we talk, we laugh. We we uh, you know, she understands that uh, that my program comes first. And that's not easy. That's not easy. I remember it at a particular time in program that you know, I I told her you know I said i'm gonna to need to uh you know have more room over here, and things like she said, well, you know I liked it better before, and I said, I realized that, and before i you made all the decisions i- you know let you do that I said, but I'm gonna to have to be making decisions, and uh I've got to be a part of this, and I know it's going to there are going to be changes and things like that, but um it is uh, you know it's just how. You know, we will grow into this, and it has been an amazing uh, experience. Um, you know, in, in program, I, I used to, there used to be a saying uh, that I had, and it was that uh, for those who know, no explanation is necessary, and for those who don't, no explanation is adequate. And I used to think, you know, uh, that, that basically says, if I know something you don't know, I'm not going to tell you, because even if I did, you wouldn't understand. So why should I waste my breath and waste your time? Which seems awfully arrogant, very arrogant. But, but the fact of the matter was is that in OA, they do have something that bridges all of that. And that is to act as if find someone who has what you want, do what they do, and one day at a time, you will know what they know. And while that is very positive, hello? Uh, While that is very positive, it's also challenging because um, I know that for the first Uh, two and a half years that I was in program, just like Dr. Bob said it took him two and a half years to have a spiritual experience. That's what it took for me because I remember having this spiritual experience and and it was only in my dream that I realized that, that in my dream I admitted I was powerless over food and that my life had become unmanageable. And uh, and the reason I realized it was after two and a half years is is in my dream I told myself it's been two and a half years I should be able to have a bite of something, and I took that bite and I I had obsessions and ate through it and but woke up from it and what so what what transpired was I realized that after that two and a half years I had already lost you know, the 190 pounds, God had removed that. I knew that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity and that I had turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. But I had not fully, fully and unequivocally, you know, smashed the illusion that I was somehow going to be normal. And it was only in that dream that that happened. And I've worked the steps you know, I've worked the steps in in a number of different studies, whether or not it has been uh, in an A wall, or whether or not it has been in uh, uh, you know uh, back to basics, or in a vision for you, or in other programs, or reading the big book and the like. But um, it has just you know, uh, it's it's so important to be working these steps and to um, appreciate, you know, all that Bill W. and Dr. Bob, you know, we say in, in program, you know, you want to live happy, joyous, and free. And, and I look at that, and happy, joyous, and free are not synonyms, or, nor are they redundant. You know, the happiness comes to me from the physical the physical relief that I got when I had the food plan and the and losing the weight, the joyousness comes from the emotional recovery, and uh, and when you get both of those, you you can get free. You get free, and you have that spiritual recovery, and it's staying in fit spiritual condition. It's staying in fit spiritual condition to. Uh, uh, that, that the promises, the promises have come true. Um, and, and some of the things that I do, I mean, I still do the things that I did before. I, I, you know, the, I use the tools, I work the tools, but I use the steps. Um, I make outreach calls. I make, uh, um, you know, I call my sponsor several times during the week now. I, uh, Um, I do sponsor. I go, you know, um, I go to several different meetings. Um, I read the literature, not as regularly as perhaps uh, someone else might, but enough, you know, for me. um, I needed the slogans. The slogans were what carried me uh, until I could really read the big book. Uh, The I could not relate to the big book initially um but the slogans and the meditations i found that when i would rewrite meditations you know by hand uh that i my my breathing slowed down my cadence my uh i i was focusing on the words and the meaning of it and and i i began to understand and and appreciate everything that everyone had said and that was sort of my my gateway into the big book um, i went to um uh, i went to cleveland last summer for the oa convention and while i was there i uh you know god god planned a visit to akron for me uh i ended up staying with a, uh, a friend in oa while i was there And he took a day off, and we went to Akron. And uh, uh, he'd never done this, but I wanted to go to the Magnolia Hotel, uh, which is where Bill W was when uh, when he before he met Dr. Bob. And uh, I went there. I went to the hotel lobby. It's now assisted living, and. uh, low income assisted living, and then the in and I they have a phone there, a replica of the payphone, and and I was told bring my nickels and everything else, and I put my nickels in the phone. You don't get a dial tone, but uh, and there's a, the church directory, and I and I scrolled down the church directory to to Reverend Tunk, and and saw his name and his phone number, and I could hear. I could hear the clattering of the ice and the glasses. I could hear the music. I could hear—this is in my in my mind. Uh, I could smell alcohol. Uh, I could smell cigarette smoke. Uh, I could also, for me as a compulsive overeater, I could smell the uh, uh, I could smell the hot hors d'oeuvres. You know. And I could understand the draw that all that was having on Bill W. And how he had to draw on a power greater than himself to call a stranger, Reverend Tunk, to ask him if he knew another stranger. And I went to the Gatehouse Lodge where Henrietta Cyberling was living, where she set up the arrangement with Dr. Bob and and Bill W. I went to St. Thomas Hospital and sat in the chapel where Sister Ignatius helped alcoholics. I went to Dr. Bob's house where meetings were held in the basement. I saw the coffee pot. I saw the archives. I saw our past. You know, and... Uh, and I'm just grateful to be... A recovered compulsive overeater, um, I am so grateful. The metaphor that I like the most about this program is um, is envision a candle, and when you blow out that candle, and you see that little wisp of smoke go up, you look back at the at the wick on the candle, and you see a little orange ember that's just barely visible, and it's about to go out. That was me. I was that little orange ember. And when I came into the room, and God, and this fellowship, and many, many, many people like you, Bill W., Dr. Bob through the big book, through the literature, Roseanne, um uh, Everybody was blowing gently on that orange ember until it came back to full flame. I thank you all. This program works. It will work. If it worked for me and I was dead, and I was truly dead, it will work for you one day at a time. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Cliff. Appreciate that very much. Appreciate your presentation today and for letting us know how you were able to do it God's way and not your way. Thank you so much. I just wanted to take a moment to let folks know that we will give out contact information for Cliff, his telephone number, after the recording has stopped. And we'll also give you the share ID for this meeting at that same time. But right now, Cliff, are you available to stay and take some questions from our audience here today?
1: Certainly, yes.
0: Great. Thank you. So I'm going to open it up for some questions and that you might be able to answer for them. Who would be our first person with the question? Hi, Melanie. This is Liz. Hi. Good morning, Liz. Good morning to you. I want to present your question to to Cliff and also I guess I might want to just add, if you didn't mind, Liz, for just a moment, that we, if we could come right to our question so that we can leave lots of other time for people and their questions. Absolutely. Liz, my question to you is: uh, Once you came into OA, was there a point at which that you had to? Um, did, you, did you immediately find yourself able to surrender to a power greater than yourself, or did it take you some time? And if it did take you some time, I'd like to know what your what your journey was
1: about. Oh, thank you, Liz. Um, the The interesting thing for me was the power greater than myself was not understood uh, by me, except for the fact that I had always been willing to uh, surrender to somebody else, whether it was a doctor or a friend or a diet. You know, even going out and doing the exercising was surrendering to a coach who would tell me what to do. But it was always temporary. And the power greater than myself at least initially was probably the, the my sponsor and the fellowship. Uh, it it became God over time, you know. I I share with people that the the first six months of program to me was all about losing weight. The next six months was about being able to be in nice clothes, you know. The next six months were about uh, having this amazing feeling, I mean, just amazing feeling of life coming back. You know, it's it's like being, you know uh, a forest and and having been in a forest fire and and burned to the ground and and then you know this this lush greenery coming back and and then after that, it was all about God. It was all about how could I be of maximum service to God? and uh and and i know now that i'm either you know i'm either going towards god or i'm running away you know or sometimes standing in place but uh but the more that i am moving towards god you know and and putting down the food was just the very first thing that that i needed to do uh, because I could not get clarity. I could not get enough clarity to be able to see, um, you know, to, to understand any of these concepts. You know, I I share that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in surgery before, and I hadn't had a whole lot of that, but uh, if you go under anesthesia, you know, you don't give somebody the keys to the car and tell them to go home immediately if they were under the influence like that. Well, that's how dead I was. You know, uh, the big book did not open me up to that until I got clear of those uh, those um, uh, chemicals and and uh, elements that were just uh, creating a sludge, for, uh, you know, blocking my god antenna. So. Uh, it was a process for me, uh, and uh, but definitely a worthwhile process. One day at a time, it will come if you'll do it. And uh, so, I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you, Liz. Is there someone there with another question for Cliff? This is this is Susan. Hi. Good morning, good morning Susan. Susan. Good morning. Thanks so much to both of you for your service. Cliff, thanks so much for the Magnolia Hotel story. That was very touching, right to the question, though. Um, You said that you didn't uh, kind of, I may be saying it wrong, but you didn't get the big book initially, that it, it took some time. And I speak to a lot of people not in a vision for you in this fellowship who are not, yet open or receptive to the big book. And I don't want to write them off and tell them, okay, bye-bye. I wonder how you work with people and or talk to people who are not yet at a point where they um, are, are open to the big book. Um, yeah, that's
1: the question. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Susan. Uh, that's, that's a really good question. Um uh, you know a lot of people who do come into program at least i found they know that they're compulsive overeaters and and for those who know it uh you know that may be you know the, the big book may very well be i mean they they are desperate i mean that's where it, it talks about the level of disparity that uh that people may have but um uh, you know, then there are people who question whether or not they really are compulsive overeaters. You know, I mean even the, the concept of, of compulsive and overeating and eating disorders and all these things get complicated and uh they're not easily defined. Uh you know, it was so hard to uh for someone, you know, when I went to my first meeting, I mean, you know, well what is abstinence? Well that's a good question. Oh God. You know <laughs> Uh, and 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 so I would say that, that the real question becomes, just like it says in step one, I mean, you know, as they'd say, you've got to smash the illusion that you have a chance of ever being normal. Once a pickle, always a pickle. You know, uh I, I and and that's not easy to do. You know, you can go through a food inventory and things like that and and most of the time even in working uh, the steps, you know, in a, in a big book study, you know, the, the question is, do you admit that you're powerless over food and your life has become unmanageable? Do you concede to your innermost self those, the, the, that? that? And, uh, and a compulsive overeater who is still suffering from the um, sedative effects of what's going on, hopefully will at least say yes. Because that's at least, you know, opening themselves up to the sunlight of the spirit. Uh, and, and I think that's really crucial because that's what happened. That's the slogans. The slogans were sharp enough and short enough to penetrate, uh, you know, my, my brain, my spiritual uh, deficiencies and everything else, and because I could hear the slogan, you know, "Honesty will kill this disease." You're only as sick as your secrets. I mean, I've got, I've got almost 2,000, you know, slogans and stories and things like that, you know. Uh, but, but by writing them out, that was my writing. That was the extent of my writing. In in, to, to in, in some cases, you know, just writing about that or rewriting a meditation it would gradually draw people draw drew me closer to god and that was the point i didn't know that was what i was doing i just felt it as i was doing it i found something that was going to keep working until i was ready for the big book until i was ready and i mean and all during that the meditations point you in the direction of the big book you know the the slogans point you in the direction of the big book, but uh, but the question is, you know, how, you know, it's almost like uh, you know preparing people for it is what it amounts to for me. Okay.
0: Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Cliff. Is there anyone else with a question this morning? Hello. Hello.
2: Good morning. Who's is this? This is Jean from Boston.
0: Oh, hi, Jean.
2: do you have a question for? Yes Claire? Yes, I, yes, I do. Um, we're talking about the big book this morning, Seth, and I appreciate your story. It was like, um, it was great. um older than you. I got to this program when I was fifty, and I've been abstinent ever since. So that long ago, I was raised on the big book, and the literature, there were no like there was no o a literature. And um, so this this whole thing, this whole, like, um, I believed in God, but I thought he had no time for me. That's where I was. So um, spiritual awakenings, I've had a lot of them. But as far as being abstinent, since I come in, I was, and I am. But Stack raven, abstinent, that's what I was for about three years. Nobody gets struck anything. I didn't get struck anything. So my um, thing is just like I, I commend you because, you know, it's like I have lost 180 pounds um, on this program, and um, you're a man, you're probably a tall man, I'm a five foot three woman, so um, 280 pounds was a lot, and I was 50 years old. And nobody believed this was going to happen, so um my question to you is, i guess um is this is a disease and um and and do you said something about i don't know there was a quote about. Those who know, know, and those who don't know, don't know, something like that. I don't remember the exact words. But it's like um, I treat my disease seriously. I'm a drunk with food. That's all there is to it. And and um, I have to be careful who I say that to because I think I'm being, like, dramatic. So if you could repeat that quote to me, I would really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Jean. Uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know I, I often wondered even for myself about the the disease and the disease ac- actually about this and uh, you know, was I a dry drunk? and and certainly, I think it, it's it's the same uh, with respect to looking for to me looking for a sponsor. Now, I wasn't smart enough, uh, you know to know I was, you know, Again, if I, if you're in a coma, or you know, or you're you're in a car wreck and you need a doctor, and one comes along, you take that doctor. It doesn't matter whether or not they're a, a real doctor or a quack. You take whoever is is out there. And uh, but but the thing about it is, is that uh, I think in program, uh, we really have the ability to to look at people and listen. Because so much of you know, sometimes the eyes can distract us from from the reality, at least for me. You know, uh, I have found that uh, you know, just because someone has lost the weight does not necessarily mean that they're in recovery. They are probably recovering, but they we we need not just that physical aspect, We need the emotional aspect. And the emotional aspect, we can also have, as, as some people call, you know, more like uh, Alanon recovery, but without the the physical recovery. But it's when you get both of those that that we get the serenity. That's when we get the I have recovered, and I get that on a daily basis, a daily reprieve. But uh, you know, I and and I and I share with people. I said, listen, I've got. I've got three college degrees, but I am most proud of my honorary doctorate in stupidity, because it was that—it was knowing I was stupid when it came to to diets, when it came to I—I I, I was always spiritual, but I didn't know that I could be as much more, uh, you know, and uh, and I was willing to turn, I was willing to admit that I was powerless. And to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood Him, and uh, and and then I was willing to do the steps, even if the fourth step, you know, I know it says do it fearlessly and thoroughly, but if you do it just enough, enough to prick the, the your 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 barrier, it will let the sunlight of the Spirit in, and God works from the inside out. Chipping away, you know, laser-like, what have you? It just comes. It will come, just one day at a time. Keep doing it, you know, working through the the, the steps four through nine, you know, and then living in ten, eleven, and twelve, and living the the the. Uh, um, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just uh, amazing. I mean. And I, and I tell people now, I said, you know, I, I am, you know, I've lost basically half of what I was. I'm half the man I used to be and twice the man I ever was. And uh, it, is, uh, uh, it is wonderful to grow. And the, the, the quote that you were asking for is that for those who know, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't, no explanation is adequate which interpreting it means that if i know something you don't know i'm not going to tell you because even if i did you wouldn't understand so why waste my time my breath and your time but the fact is is that program program has act as if act as if and if i Find somebody who has what I want and act as if I've been doing it one day at a time. Listen to what they're saying. I mean, you know, if they've got big book recovery and they've demonstrated, you know, that they are moving in the direction of, of, uh, you know, a healthy body weight, then, and they've got the emotional sobriety, you know, then it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, do what they do, and you know, and follow follow the leader. You know, at, at least in that sense, they are just a bozo who got on the bus sooner than 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 I did. So, I hope that answers it.
0: Thank you, Jean, and thank you, Cliff. Anyone else with a question for Cliff? Maybe we can just form it in a, in a way. Good morning, Melanie. It's Rita, Compulsive Overeater. Hi, Rita. And, and maybe we can just form it in a way of a, of, a, of a question so we can leave room for those yes. that are
2: waiting. Yes, I, I'm sorry. I
3: had to leave my phone for a minute. Someone was at the door. Did you give a share code for today for that wonderful transformation?
0: I, I didn't, but I will just as soon as the recording is done. Bye. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: Anyone with a question for Cliff? Uh,
1: I have a question. This is Steve.
0: Um, Go ahead with your question.
1: Yes. The promise in the big book that I will be restored to sanity and my compulsion will be removed for eating. Uh, Does that mean that I can drop a food plan and eat when I'm hungry and
3: be restored to a sanity with regarding food so that I can with the help of God eat normally like normal people.
1: Thank you. Steve, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's interesting for me because, um, in working the last uh, the last time I worked the four-step, I really came to, to know myself and know the patterns and things of that nature and, and know the causes and conditions that, uh, that helped to create me uh, as, a, uh, as a scared, frightened little boy um, and growing up and maturing the thing about it is, though, is that, uh, and and I went around asking that question. I asked people with uh, a lot more experience, strength, and hope than I had. I said, "Well, gee, once I know all these things, and I have been restored to sanity, and I know why I'm doing these things, and you know, selfishness and self-centeredness, and I'm giving outreach. Does that mean I can, I can eat all these other things?" And the answer is that, uh, at least for me is no I can't once a pickle always a pickle I had already blown past you know the the physiological aspects of the compulsive overeating those foods are still going to trigger me you know and and I don't need to uh, I love being in conscious contact with God that is that is the most awesome feeling and and growing and staying in fit spiritual condition every day, one day at a time, every week. You know, I go to uh, uh, meetings and religious services and what have you in order to get filled with that. I don't need to fill myself with the other things. But uh, I'm, I'm still a compulsive overeater. And uh, at least for me, I'm uh, I'm I'm going to today, just for today, well... I'm going to do the food plan that I have. It's kind of interesting. I'll give you one other little tidbit here. That was when my older daughter came home, uh, and uh, I had already lost the weight. And she said, "Dad," she said, uh, "she said How much longer do you have to do this?" And I thought, "Hmm." I said, "That's a uh, you know, this is what God put in my head." I said, "That's a trick question." I said, "Just one more day." That's all I gotta do. Maybe tomorrow I won't do it. Maybe I'll decide that's not what I want to do. But uh you know, just for today, I I I have a plan, it works, and I get closer to God and closer to my fellows. So thank you, Steve.
0: Thank you, Steve. Anyone else with a question this morning for Claire? Good morning. Hi, this is Hilda. Hi, Hilda. Good morning. What Hi, good. Yes, yeah, so, I'm yeah. yeah, from South Florida. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I have a question. I don't know if it's going to make any sense, but I need to ask it anyway. Um, I can follow my food plan when things are going steady and stable in my life and positive outcomes. When everything's overwhelming, how how do you follow how do you believe how do you how do you keep your strength and hope and reach out when you're totally overwhelmed with 20 million things going on negative and some of it is like tragic yeah i don't know I, i'm not know i am i am at a loss and i just wanted to put that out there i don't know if that's a good question or not but it's where i'm at
1: um Thank you, Hilda. It's a great question. It's a great question. You know, life comes at me. It really does. And I I think one of the things for me, uh, uh, I I see people, you know, well, uh, my father-in-law passed away after I'd been in program about, uh, well, uh, probably six months. And uh, and as we all know, at funerals they usually have lots and lots and lots of food, and uh, there's not enough space in the refrigerator. And and the thing about it was, is though, is that uh, I still made phone calls. I I tried to attend meetings. Um, I, you know, prepared. God prepared myself for this, is what it amounts to. Uh, and and I share this even with uh, in in other programs. You know, I am so blessed that that somebody had come up with something for someone as in bad a shape as me, because you know it would have taken me. I heard somebody say the other day. You know, they they say you know even a monkey will be able to to you know type Shakespeare over a you know a certain period of time you know it may be a million years but they would be able to do it well i don't know how long it would have taken me to have written the big book um you know in the in the food drunken stupor that i was in but somebody did and somebody put together this program that uh that that said you know if you're a a food drunk like i am you know call some people you know, make three phone calls a day. You know, talk to them. They don't have to be long. You know, call your sponsor, you know, kind of get centered in the world, you know, make sure that that uh all everything's going on. Make that a priority. You know, uh because if anything that I make a priority over my uh over my program is the second thing that I'm going to lose, it's the next thing, you know, that I will lose. And um uh, and the beautiful part about it is, you know, my wife, I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard for family to understand. But, you know, when they see, or your friends, but when they see you doing it and they see your commitment, it gives them hope. It gives them hope. And, I mean, I, I have, I I buy stuff for my wife, you know, things that are not, not good for me. And and I have had them, you know, uh, just in my coat you know, months later, I've forgotten to give them to her, and they and they sit in my closet or anything else. I you know, it's just like the pro, the big book says. You know, you can go into into the most sordid places of the world as long as you're there, as you're motivated for the right reasons. You know, I love my wife. I, you know, I want her to do. I want. I, I would you know, would love for her to. You know, even even being slender. Uh, I would love for her to be able to, you know, the sugar is something, you know, that's probably not a good thing for anybody, but that's not up to me. But the one thing I can do is I can take care of of what God has shown me, and that is keep my program first, make the calls, make the meetings. and uh, uh, So I, I, I hope that that helps. Thank you, Hilda. Anyone else with a question? Jason? Hi. Good morning,
3: Jason. Hi. uh, Thank you very much for your presentation. I really appreciated that. I wondered if you could go into a little more detail, uh, kind of in relation to what you just finished answering for for another uh, question. But in your
1: presentation, you talked about uh, putting your program first and there was this period of adaptation. Uh, with your, with your wife specifically. And I'd like to know, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more about that. How did you go from whatever state you were in uh, emotionally in that relationship to one where, where program came first? Um I don't know how else to ask it. So that's the best I can do. <laughs> I'll,
3: uh, that's it.
1: Thank you, Jason. Um, uh... I I think what's kind of interesting is is that uh, you know we say selfishness and self centeredness are are the root of our problem, and but I think it's also the root of our solution. You know, before I was uh, selfish for pleasure, and and now I am selfish for God, and and uh, and and actually, in order to be to be present for my wife and my family. Um, I, you know, it went, when I when I learned, you know that I have to have, I want this. It's a, you know, I, I don't have to go to meetings anymore. I want to go to meetings. I don't have to qualify. I want to qualify. I want, I want to, you know, carry the message of recovery. and the only way that I can do it, is to keep working on whatever it is that's not working. Uh, you know, and I'm not perfect. I mean, you know, but uh, uh, putting program first, and it started for me, it, you know, it, it started with me with the food plan. You know, that's that, that step zero in in program. I mean, it's step zero with respect to, you know, in and, and AA. I mean, put down the alcohol. I wouldn't have known what the alcoholic foods were uh, if somebody had not done it generically for me. And by saying I'm going to do that, and and then, you know, when I when I disagreed with my sponsor on something, and eventually, you know, I acquiesced. I mean, it was it was painful. It was painful to acquiesce, but that was when I realized that I was willing to. F- do what he was doing. He had what I wanted, you know. And uh, you know, so and and adapting with my wife. I mean, my wife would not read the big book. She still hasn't read the big book. She hasn't read a chapter out of the big book. She doesn't want to read the big book. And I and I've given her the chapter to the wives, and I've given her something else. And said, you know, you know, and, and so the only way that she can grasp it is you know uh is is just by seeing recovery in me she no longer remembers this is this is kind of what's interesting also is that i used to get angry and upset and holler and carry on and everything like that she doesn't remember that now you know it's only been 7 years and uh and she doesn't remember that so so she gets the benefit of relationship amnesia. Our relationship gets better and better. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we have traveled. You know, we've traveled abroad. And I have brought the program with me. And uh, and she understands what I need. At first she was a little bit uh, miffed at it. You know, and we don't get to go out to eat as much or anything like that. But uh but I'm more than willing to take her out. I'm more than willing you know, some of the best Valentine's days and everything else is when I've uh cooked for her and you know, healthy foods and, and, and everything else and she said this was the best I've ever had and uh so uh that that would be my response that putting program first doesn't mean putting others uh, totally second, but but I just have to have, uh, I just have to give it priority.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. Anyone else with a question this morning? This is Frida. Hi, Frida. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Cliff. Thank you. I came in towards the end of your talk. I'm sorry, but you talked about putting the food down, you know, step zero. What this is the part I'm struggling with. What made you finally put the food down? Was it something like in your head just clicked or, um, what actually made you put the food down? Cause that's where I'm struggling with. It's like, I know I have to, but I just can't get
3: to that point. Thank you.
1: Oh, Frida, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I since since I didn't want, I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't want to be there, uh, and God brought me in the room. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The, and and uh, what I heard, I barely discerned. It's like a whisper, you know, uh, of honesty will kill this disease. And I guess I really, in a way. I had to be honest that nothing I was doing was was getting it done. Nothing that I had done, and and you know, um, I, I shared that that I I was I did triathlons in in Hawaii on Maui, you know, uh, weighing three hundred and seventy pounds, you know, uh, going up and down Haleakala, and I don't know whether I was closer to God or closer to a heart attack when I was doing those things. But uh, but but the essence part of one what I learned there was a uh, there was a time when I first started I went into uh, they, the uh, when I first started the exercise program of of long distance endurance events uh, I was doing these for a non profit organization and uh, and they of another of a of a cancer disease a blood disease. And the night before, they have the uh, the carbohydrate loading, and or uh, pasta party, and they ask people how many are doing. There are 800 people in this ballroom. And they are asking us how many are doing it because you've had this type of cancer before, and a few people raise their hands. How many are doing it because you know somebody who's had it, and a few more people raise their hands. How many of you are doing it because you want to be in better shape? You want to get fit? And probably about 50 people raise their hands. And then they asked the question how many of you are doing it because you want to eat more? And every hand in the ballroom, you know, 800 people raised their hands to say they wanted to be able to eat more. And I should have known, you know, like I said, I, I'm. I, I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I have three college degrees. I should have known that there was a problem here. you know And uh, the fact is is that for me, you know, when I look back on doing the hundred mile bike rides and, and, uh, and the triathlons, I call that my active prayer period because at that point in time, what I was really saying to God, was God? I'm doing everything I know how to do. Please don't take me now. I don't know what else to do. And and that's when God brought me in the room. And that's when God brought me in the room. And uh, and a few weeks later, I found myself one night with my uh, when I was trying to do it on my own. I found myself one night in the refrigerator. Uh, with my head in a bowl full of uh, fruit. And uh, it was sliced fruit and stuff like that. And I kept saying to myself, one more bite, one more bite. And I went, hmm, maybe there's some truth to this compulsive overeating. So, okay, uh, that was interesting. And uh, and it wasn't until that being four months of being clean with my my program that I remembered that dream with my daughters the one where I was lying in my grave looking up, them watching me be buried and I've used that dream that dream is a reminder to me and now the reminder to me is the relationship that I have that, that God has given me with my wife, with my children with workers with with people in OA, all of those things keep me, you know, uh, keep me, you know, willing to do whatever it takes. And yeah, I, I make my food up, you know, and sometimes it's a pain, but uh, but but then I remember the you know being frightened, walking past the emergency room at a hospital and seeing a gurney and saying these guys won't be able to pick me up. You know, I don't have to worry about those things anymore. When I go to the doctor, I'm happy. I'm happy. My cardiologist, you know, he—I used to have to go and see him once a month because to have my my blood thinners checked and everything like that, he has to send me a note once a year to come and see him. He doesn't—they don't understand. They wish they could, but it keeps me willing to do whatever it takes. And I am willing to do whatever it takes. So thank you, Frida. Thank you,
3: Frida.
0: Is there anyone else with a question? Sarah? Hi, good morning, Sarah. Good morning,
3: Melanie, for your service. Um, I wanted to ask, thank you for your your share, Cliff. I appreciated hearing it. I wanted to talk a little bit about nine-step work because I know in my experience I've been in the program a long time, and and I am recovered. Um, what I what I had was a few instances where I had people that, uh, you know, you talk a lot about um, the gifts of the program, and I've received many too, but I think I've had to accept sometimes when I've done a nine-step that, you know, we go in without an expectation of how the other person will react, and at times the way they react isn't always a positive reaction. And talk a little bit about the acceptance of that because I think that's really important for people. Um, You know, many, many, many gifts, many beautiful parts, uh, you know, strengthen relationships. Uh, You know, the family afterwards talks a little bit about it. It takes a long time uh, for the process of healing to occur. I can't remember the exact words, but... um, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that, if you would, and thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you, Sarah. You know, the... the
0: Mute, Um, Cliff, would you press star 1 to unmute, please?
1: Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, Sarah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. The ninth step is a... uh, uh, is, is a challenging one because it's one thing to admit to somebody else, you know, to admit to yourself and then to admit to somebody else and admit to God, but then to go to somebody else is, uh, uh, and, and share uh, that you want to make amends. Um, it's, but it's so powerful. It is so powerful. And I, I actually have a situation, you know, I mean, there, there are certainly things that happened in the past uh that i made amends for um and uh uh you know and people were accepting of it i i i remember calling one guy up and and expressing it to him and just you know uh sharing and he and he happens to live in the uh in sin city uh but he says my god that is a powerful amends he says, that's amazing you're able to do that and uh uh, you know, so you just you just don't know what you're going to get, and you don't have an expectation. You just know that it's what God wants you to do in order to be able to live in the spirit, you know, in, in the sunlight of the spirit. And uh, you know, and, and not having an expectation is important because the only thing that we really are going there for is for us. You know, we just have to be willing to do it. Whether they're willing to accept our our, you know, uh, amends, it, it's not up to us. And that's actually very freeing, you know, to realize that you know you don't ha- you're not asking them for forgiveness. You're just wanting to do something to clear your side of the street, and uh, you know, and. And one thing that happened to me with a, a particular amends is uh, I tried to call this person, and they refused my call. And I happened to be friends with another guy who knows him, and and and, they, and they're and best friends, and they talked to him. And, uh, he talked to him and everything like that, and, and nothing happened until basically, I think it was around six months ago, um, my friend told me that they were talking about me. And, uh, and that this other person that I had tried to make amends with said to wish me the best. And, you know, that he was really pleased that all, all this had happened. And which, which basically meant that he came out of his own, you know, cloud, his own darkness, you know. And, uh, and I called him the other day and it was a beautiful conversation. And so it may not be the what you're going to get at that particular moment. It may be something down the road. It may be, you know, months or even years down the road that you find another opportunity to uh, complete that amends uh, or at least make it fuller. Now, I have had others, you know, and, and uh, there is a, you know, uh, some non-OA literature uh, that uh, that su- that, I, that was used in another program that I that I was uh, that I was listening to, and it's the one-minute apology, which uh, um, I can't remember who the authors are, but uh, but anyway, it's a uh, you know uh, I have used that to some extent. But it is amazing. The ninth step is such a cleansing experience i you know and and even to do basically you know ten eleven and twelve so that you don't have to do you know making amends immediately with people is is just so powerful now they go they're just surprised at it so uh, thank you, Sarah, for that question.
0: Thank you, Sarah. And we'll take um, one more question, for Smith, if there's one more out there, before we close the meeting. This is Gay. Gay, hello. Hi. State your um, question, Cliff. I would like to know, when he's, when Cliff, when did you start sponsoring? You talked about six months, six months, six months, kind of your journey. When did you start sponsoring?
1: Oh, thank you, Gay. When did I start sponsoring? It was it was probably uh, I, I would say six six to eight months after I had started program. I had been I was in an A wall, which is a, a way of working the steps, um, and uh, you know, and and I would, you know, I was sort of an apologetic, uh, you know. Uh, with with individuals and in the saying that I can only give you what I have, I, you know, and this is what I have right now. But the interesting thing was that uh, I had some uh, an, some individuals who had been in other 12-step programs, and and for some reason, you know, they can detect it in me. People detect it in me when I'm ready, better than when I detect it in me. I'm going to protect myself, you know. I'm going to make, you know. I don't know whether I'm making excuses or saying I'm just not ready yet. I wanted to be, you know, completely ready to be able to sponsor. And the answer, I'm never completely ready to be able to sponsor. I can do, I can give to the best of my ability to my level, you know. And I can share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, and uh, but but these particular individuals, you know, were were helpful in shining a light on me to say that I at least they felt as though I was going in the right direction. So uh, thank you Gay for that question.
0: Thank you Gay. Thank you Cliff. Thank you all for your questions this morning. It is has en- completely um, just enriched the, the things that Cliff was sharing for us today as well which is so wonderful Cliff. Appreciate so much that you're coming on the line today and painting a beautiful picture of how you have let God have it his way. Appreciate it so very much. We'll keep that here in our archives forever. And and what I'd like to do now is close this meeting like we do on a vision for you for a Sunday special edition by reading from the big book on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.